Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Thank you so much for choosing to join us this morning online. We feel honored to be invited into your home. Uh, we are so excited for what is happening here in the spring season. It's Memorial Day weekend. Uh, we know a lot of you are traveling right now, and uh, so we hope you're having a ton of fun. Can't wait uh, to be back and uh, hopefully gather in person soon here at the church building. Absolutely. You know, that's what summer is for to make memories and spend time together as a family. So we encourage you guys to do that. Know that we are here. And so when you're back in town, we'd love to see you. We're so excited. We've got a few trips planned as well. We do. We've got camping trips and yeah, a number of outdoor things. It's going to be awesome. We're excited. So as many of you know, I grew up overseas. And so I have had the privilege of experiencing a lot of different churches and a lot of different types of churches. I was born in Italy where my parents were church planters. And so we were in small in-home uh, churches then. And then when I was six, we moved to Guinea, West Africa. And I experienced uh, different worship services there. Some churches that we went to uh, were predominantly people from the forest region of the country. And so they were very animated in their worship uh, there was loud music, there were drums, there was dancing. I loved the, the clapping. I got to sing in the choir with them. Um, other churches we went to had a very different feel. They were predominantly people who came from a Muslim background. And so they were very quiet, very reverent. We had mats that we sat on on the floor, often with our heads to the, our foreheads to the ground when we were praying to God, showing reverence. Then I, I grew up and, and, in between, before I went to college, I went and toured Europe and I got to go see these giant cathedrals and experience the, the, the organs as they played. You could feel the music um, inside of you. And then you had the chants and the liturgies that were just beautiful. It was definitely a sensory experience. Um, I remember the first time I saw the big incense burner being swung about so um, at mass. It was so interesting, so cool. And then in the United States, as after I moved here, experienced churches um, that were a cappella only, other churches that had big bands, churches that were very structured, churches that were very spontaneous in nature, churches where the teaching was calm and conversation conversational and other churches where the teaching was just exclamations of joy and enthusiasm. And what's striking to me of all these different experiences, all of these churches are a part of the one church, the one church that proclaims that Jesus is Lord and King. Yeah, you know, it's beautiful to see the kind of diversity that exists here and now today in the church. Now, we've been in a series on the mission of God, and we've gotten to that final part where we're exploring what does it look like to be the church today? And it looks like many different things. It expresses itself in many different ways, and that is for a purpose. So today, we're going to start, uh, we'll recap kind of where we've been at in the story of the mission of God, and we're going to conclude that series uh, today, as we continue, as we kind of conclude the idea of what does it look like then to be the church today? So, in the beginning, God created, and what God creates is good. Humani humanity was to play a special role 
in the life of God. Adam and Eve walked with God in a pristine garden. In time, however, temptation won the day in pursuit of more power or knowledge or freedom or maybe many other different things. Humanity set out on its own path. So the remainder of the biblical narrative describes a God who is on mission, a God in pursuit of restoring relationship with his loved creation. In the Old Testament, we read of God's covenant with a man named Abraham, uh, whose descendants would become the Israelite people. Uh, God promised to bless Abram and his and the Jewish people for two primary purposes, that they would be a light to the nations, and secondly, that the blessings of God would flow to all humanity through the Israelite nation. They were a chosen people. They were set apart for a remarkable purpose uh, in this world, and though Israel often lost their uh, sight of uh, their purpose, lost sight for their purpose, or lost um, their understanding of covenant, um, God was abundantly faithful. In time, Jesus was born into the Jewish nation. Uh, in him, a new era was ushered into this world. Jesus spoke of the mission of God in terms of the kingdom of God, the seemingly upside-down kingdom operated in entirely different ways in the kingdoms of the world. In the kingdom of God, there was blessing and opportunity for the poor, the weak, the hurting. Uh, this kingdom uh, was a kingdom of peace and hope. The kingdom of God, Jesus said, is not far off. Instead, this kingdom is being ushered into the world here and now. Now, after Jesus' resurrection... By the power of the Holy Spirit, the church was invited into the mission of God, those new agents that would walk in covenant relationship with God. Uh, as in God's covenant with Israel, God determined that he would work through people to bring about his purposes in this world. Um, and uh, so... The story continued as the church began. We explored church history and what's happened over the course of the last 2,000 years. And here we find ourselves, we are the church. We are a small part of the global church, this movement of God's people partnering in his work in this world. And we have been invited into the story that God has been writing since the beginning of time. We are a people with a purpose invited into his mission. What a powerful grand narrative mm -hmm. that we get to be a part of. And so as we conclude this sermon series on the mission of God, we really want to hone in on seeing ourselves as a part of this narrative, seeing ourselves. What does it look like to live as if we are a part of this broader narrative? You know, sometimes we live blind to the past blind to the fact that there have been people and events that have happened in the past that have shaped where we are today and still influence what is going on today. Or, or also we can live blind to the future, not realizing that in our present moment, the decisions we are making, the ways we are living are affecting what is to come. There is great richness in living in this present moment with recognition of the past, of the people and events that have happened before us, and also with attention to the future, what is coming and how we can live into that. I think of that expression, 
um, in English that says, we can't see the forest for the trees. I had to double check it. <laughs> I'm not good with expressions. <laughs> but we can't see the forest for the trees. Um, meaning, you know, we're so focused on the details up front that we can't see the bigger picture. And I love this this whole series has been kind of getting a bird's eye view of the forest, of the grander picture as we place ourselves in God's story. So this broader perspective and picture of what God has done and where we find ourselves, uh, it's complex, it's big. You saw how long it took me to walk through kind of the (laughs) biblical narrative. What does it look like? N.T. Wright has some really interesting information and writing on the subject of a play in five acts. Now, um, some of you participated in a class that Craig and Erica led here about a month ago, and we're going to rerun that in the summer. I encourage you to um, if you haven't done that already. But really briefly, N.T. Wright, he describes these five acts uh, as creation, fall, Israel, Jesus, and then act Five. So the biblical narrative describes creation, the fall of mankind, um, Israel's participation in God, Jesus coming and fulfilling that. And then the fifth act in which we only see the first and the last scenes of that fifth act. We see the church beginning and we read in the New Testament about the Holy Spirit's work and all that. And then we see this throne room scene and we read of new creation and what God is going to do and bring about uh, in the end times. And here now we find ourselves in the in-between, kind of without a script, right? (laughs) And so N.T. Wright describes this as improvision, as improvising, uh, as we continue to play a part in this Mm -hmm. narrative, in this play. Um, And uh, this is really important. Well, improvising in this season, uh, we don't come without a history. We don't throw out what was, but also nor is it our goal to repeat the exact scenes that have played out previously. Instead, within the framework of the narrative that God has invited us into, we explore what does it look like to be the church, to participate in the mission of God here and now. Hmm. So... We, the church, the people of God, are to live into God's mission and God's kingdom. One helpful image for me is the image of the church being the body of Christ. The body of Christ with many parts. In in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it speaks um, quite a bit on it. I'll just read one verse for you. But it says, now you are the body of Christ and each of you is a part of it. And go back and read 1 Corinthians 12. It's just such powerful, powerful um, imagery in there. Talking about the church. So you, plural, like all of you, the people of God, are the body of Christ. And you individually are parts of the body of Christ. And I think that is so powerful because there's room for a shared identity, a collective identity. We are the church, but there's also room for individual uniqueness, uh, room for people to be themselves. And actually these two things go hand in hand because it's our individual uniqueness, our God-given gifts and personalities, the ways that we reflect the image of God, these individual uniqueness are needed and necessary as a part 
of the whole, as a part of the body of Christ. And it really adds a whole new dimension to this idea of unity, that unity within the church is not uniformity. It does not mean that we all look alike or that we act the exact same way, but rather our our cultural diversity, our individual uniqueness, our gifts that help the church be complete and whole. You know, zooming out of like the I as an individual am a part of the body and in an, I'm an important part of it. That's all very true. But also as we zoom out one layer, we see how our individual churches in the Tri-Cities represent a different aspect of the kingdom of God and play different roles here in our community. And we're participating not as the sole proprietor of the mission of God, but as a small part of what God is doing in our communities and then zoom out even further mm-hmm. in the world. You know, sometimes the church um, is explained and described as, I think, a, a very way of uh, appropriate way of describing it is the church is a working model of the kingdom of God, a working model of what God is bringing about this uh, new creation idea. Now, throughout the Bible, we read of this idea of new creation. God created in the beginning and it was good, but we see the brokenness and the fall. Uh, we see sin and evil in the world. But there is this promise that God will uh, merge heaven and earth. And in the end, there will be new creation. Uh, there's also this promise uh, of Jesus. God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This idea that here and now God's kingdom is being transposed here onto earth. And so we as the church get to be these tiny working models of what it looks like for the kingdom to dwell here on earth. The ways that we love our neighbors, the ways that we engage, the ways that we partner with organizations and people to bring about healing, reconciliation, hope in this world. These are tiny working models of what God is doing both here and now and ushering in the kingdom and a tiny working model of what God is going to do in new creation. I love that, the, the, the whole idea of being a working model of the kingdom of God. And as, as we become this, as we are this working model, we become a new creation in Christ, modeling how God is redeeming, restoring, and healing. Um, I'd like to take us to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 14, and I'll read through verse 21. Listen to the flow of this passage as it relates to the kingdom of God. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. He was, he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become 
the righteousness of God. I love the flow in this passage. It starts off compelled by Christ's love, compelled by this love that we have experienced. We want to live for Christ, not for ourselves, but to live for Christ who died and rose again. And part of what this looks like is that we regard no one from a worldly point of view. So if we don't regard them from a worldly point of view, we're, we're seeing people through the eyes of God, seeing people through the eyes of God. And then goes on, in Christ, a new creation has come. God, as he, he reconciles us to himself, he makes us new, he transforms us, he heals us, he restores us, makes us whole and complete. That's the mission of God that we've been talking about. And we get to experience that. But it doesn't end there. No, it doesn't end there uh, with our transformation because that is done for a purpose. And in fact, for his purpose. Yes. Is that too much to no. say? Like it, yes. it takes the onus off ourselves and places mm -hmm. it on God and what he is doing that he transforms us for his purposes in this mm -hmm. world that we might inherit this ministry of reconciliation or this message of reconciliation that he describes here. Reconciliation simply meaning to bring back into right relationship, you know, to bring back into um, healthy, life-giving relationship. This mm -hmm. is the mission of God. And, and that mission has been transferred to us, that we would be reconciling, coming into relationship with humanity around us, with creation with God in all three aspects. It is about reconciling. Uh, and, and then it describes us in here as Christ's ambassadors, as though he is making his appeal through us. We as a church, the people of God, Jesus is making this appeal in the world, come and know healing and hope. And he is making that appeal through you and me through the church, through us, by the ways we live and the things that we say, Christ is making this appeal to the world. What a beautiful thing. It's so exciting to think about, but we'd be remiss not to also mention that sadly, the church doesn't always model mm -hmm. God's intent. Uh, the church doesn't always walk alongside God in his mission. The devil works to twist our understanding of truth um, often you know, the devil works to twist our understanding of, of, of being saved, that we're saved away from the world. He would like us to believe that we're to be apart um, in, as in disconnected from the world. Or the devil wants us to believe that our faith and our salvation is just about us. It's just personal salvation and it has nothing to do with anyone else, forgetting that we are transformed for the sake of others. Or the devil wants us to be arrogant and to believe that since we have the truth, then we can go out and change the world however we want to change it without God and without following the Holy Spirit. There's so many stories of the abuse of power within the church and how the church has harmed others. It doesn't take long to find those. And so just want to be really clear here that that is not God's intent for the church. When, when we hear those stories, that means the church has missed God's intent, missed God's mission, because God's mission, God's intent for the church is one of reconciliation. It's one of healing. It's one of wholeness. 
and we the people, if that is God's mission, then as the church, we the people of God need to be about those things. One of my favorite realizations in scripture and looking at the broader narrative of scripture is the realization that uh, like the church has sometimes mm -hmm. fallen short, Israel had fallen short, found themselves um, as, you know, a vassal state to other nations. They're without a king, they're without their own nation, and they just feel lost in the world. And yet God in spite of the fact mm -hmm. that they had lost sight of covenant, is so faithful that yes. through Israel, Jesus would come and bring that blessing into all the world. Like God is like, I'll fulfill both ends. And so we as a church recognize that we have not always been the witness uh, that, mm -hmm. that Christ desires us to be. And yet God who is faithful has continues to invite us here and now. So be my witness. So live into my mission. And like we talked about before, how it's not us fulfilling the mission. It's the Holy Spirit in us, leading us. Producing in us the things yes. that will perpetuate mm -hmm. the mission of God. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, Sarah and I were talking this week um, just about what it looks like then to be the church. And we're thinking about one of the core values of the Vine Church five years ago when we started this journey was um, belong, believe, become. And this being kind of our understanding of the way Jesus operated in the world, the way the gospel operates. Jesus uh, didn't turn the broken, the hurting or the sinful away, but in, instead he said, come, follow me and I'll and you'll you'll experience transformation. So this place of belonging first uh, that leads towards belief, belief in Jesus, belief in a risen Savior, and then the transformational work of the Holy Spirit as we become not just who we were created to be, as we become participants in God's continued work in this world. This is the idea, both the biblical narrative of God inviting people to belong as his people to come to understand who he is and then to participate in his mission. It, it continues to be that rhythm and that narrative in our lives in the church today, a place of belonging that we might believe and experience transformation and participate in God transforming this world. Amen to that. So as we conclude this sermon series, I want to leave you with this big idea, us with this big idea. We serve a God of mission. We serve a God who is on mission to redeem, to reconcile, to restore his beloved creation. And we are invited to be a part of that, to experience that for ourselves, to experience healing and wholeness, and also to be ambassadors of that healing and wholeness and, and to be people committed to the mission of God, walking alongside God as God works. This is a beautiful and life-giving invitation. And I want to make it just a little bit um, more personal as well for for us here. We want you to know that if you're looking for a church, if you're looking for a community, that we are here and that you're invited to join this church family at the Vine Church. And you're invited to explore with us the journey of, of asking, hey God, what, what are you doing 
in this community? And what would you, how would you like us to join you where you are working? There are, are numerous great, great, wonderful churches. Um, if you're looking for a church, we invite you to come and explore with us. You know, and as we explore, what does it look like then to live as the church? Uh, there is the corporate church, you know, like right. the, the, the we gathered, uh, but there's also the we scattered. And yes. each of us in our, in our individual lives, what does it look like to be the church in all that we do? Jesus, speaking of his disciples, said this, you'll know them by their love. Mm -hmm. So if you need just something practical to hold on to and engage in in the week ahead, Practice love, uh, because Amen. that is the way of Jesus. So we'll close with this then. Uh, encourage you in the week to come to intentionally locate yourself in a narrative that spans human history. A God of mission working towards reconciliation and healing in this world. And we, the church, are invited into the life and the mission of God. That's pretty powerful. We are invited into life and the mission of God. You, we are invited to live purposefully as a chosen people. We are invited to participate in the things of God in our community and in this world. Amen. I invite you to pray with me. God, we thank you for this invitation. We thank you that you are a God on mission and that you want us to walk alongside you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for filling us and for leading us. And we ask that you would teach us to be more open to you. Jesus, we thank you for your love, your example of love and your continued love. God, we are so grateful. We ask that you would teach us as individuals and also as a community what it looks like to live out your mission, to be a part of your kingdom here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, with that, we conclude, and we're so thankful that you took the time to join us today. We're thankful uh, to God, to Jesus, the Spirit, that he has invited us into such a journey, uh, and we look forward to continuing on it together. Blessings. Bye.